Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 24th in the year of our Lord 2023. This is our one of two, and our goal always to promote God, family, and country, to protect life, liberty, and property, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, along with the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And as you well know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. That's right. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled, we're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time Friday. Quickly, a recap of yesterday's two-hour broadcast. We had on Kelly Finnegan, rustcoiningift.com. We talked about the Honest Money Report, constitutional currency, gold and silver. Uh, We lied, we cheated, we stole. Yeah, that's Mike Pompeo, former CIA director, offering an honest, if not disturbing, admission about CIA activity. Why aren't people in prison for that, ladies and gentlemen? Behind every great fortune, there is a crime. We talked about that with Kelly. Hour two, we had our guest on, a lady by the name of Shiree Sapir. She's a mother. She's a business owner, a problem solver. SapirAZ.com, her website. S-A-P-I-R-A-Z. Why? Because she uh, was a candidate for the Arizona Education Superintendent of Schools and was Carrie Lake's pick and advisor for the Campaign for School Programs, folks. She's a successful real estate broker. Property manager, general contract, uh, general contractor, uh, as well as an interior designer. She served in the Israeli military because she was from Israel, helping uh, the soldiers' families when dead soldiers would return. She wants to bring that experience of dealing with people at one of the lowest points of their lives. She wants to bring that to education in the Arizona Education Department. Anyway, she had her phone cloned and almost had a tracking device put on her car as she ran for office she says she'll never run for office again yeah we talked about her transparency portal on her website we talked about exposing doctrine doctrinization of children and we talked about an idea she has it's a parent's bill of rights wow god gave us the bill of rights get government out of it ladies and gentlemen anyway then we talked to pete set national taxpayers union president thereof we talked about this cbo's new budget baseline should raise red flags for lawmakers. Boy, howdy, is that true? They're like drunken sailors. Even Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans aren't even really talking about saving any money. They're not even going to debate or discuss the debt ceiling until it's, what do you want to say? Oh, dark 30, too late to do anything about it kind of a thing. We talked about SCOTUS, don't break the Internet. And then we talked about where does your state rank on work from home tax laws and more. Remote work is here to stay, folks. More and more workers, 30 million work from home in some fashion or another, hybrid plan or otherwise. We also talked about the debt ceiling debate. They're not getting serious at all. 
because everything they're doing is nothing but window dressing, and they're going to wait till the last minute, and then I'll be forced to cave, and they're going to just try to extract whatever they can get. Won't be near enough. Won't change the game. Won't uh, avoid uh, the continual downgrading of our U.S. credit ratings because everything we do, we raise the debt ceiling, and it'll tank the ratings. We decide we won't raise the debt ceiling. Supposedly, it'll affect the credit rating. The only way to solve it, ladies and gentlemen, and I pointed this out to Pete Sepp on the radio. I'll point it out to you. I'm the only one bringing such a simple plan to the table. Here it is. You ready? Shut government down entirely and then pass single-subject bills restoring every justifiable constitutional provision and nothing more. If it's constitutional, we fund it. If it's not, it's gone. They could do it in a matter of days if they had the guts, the integrity, the intestinal, internal fortitude, but they don't, so they won't, and therefore we're going to continue as the train wreck evolves. Sad but true. That's a recap of yesterday's show. Without further ado, we have an incredible show for you today. Dr. Scott Bradley's with me, as always, on Mondays and Fridays. FreedomsRisingSun.com, constitutional scholar and beyond. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you, Sam, and uh, good morning to everyone. Um, uh, I always, not always, but often give you a little weather report. We've got a winter wonderland here for sure, but at least the skies are clear today, and Having some of the conversations I've had lately, this is going to go down in the record books as a long, hard winter. People will yeah. be talking about this for a long time. I, global warming, I could use a little bit right now. I'm getting tired of shoveling the global warming. <laughs> Not only that, the snow is super heavy and wet and thick and stuff, too. Yeah, it's great. We need it. I mean, there's no question Amen. about it. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, that we, have, we are in the midst of a long, hard winter and... Uh, I've got some ground in a, a little different area from my home, and the the snow is chin deep along the road there. I mean, it's well, uh, if you were if you were um, I, I don't know how to say this, but scientifically qualified, you would realize that this global freezing stuff really is part of global warming. You know, well, you know, and they do play that angle an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. In New Hampshire, they had a a deal where um, in one of the mountains there, it was Washington Mountain or something like that in New Hampshire. It was 46, minus 46 Fahrenheit with the wind at a steady 100 and gust to 125. That brought the wind chill to uh, like 110 below, something like that. And uh, they, they, people that talk about that somehow is related to this uh, bizarre philosophy of global warming. And, uh, and, and you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Okay, anything you say. I mean, that's about what we are down to in this old world today. Yeah, and the interesting thing to me, though, is when you saw those freezing temperatures that are just unnaturally beyond normalcy, cold, way extreme, it's interesting that weather balloon they claimed from China that now they say was a surveillance balloon or whatever the heck, you know, a spy balloon, whatever words we want to use. It's interesting how that freezing cold tracked that balloon, and when that balloon went away, so did the cold. I mean, it didn't, the cold didn't go away, but that extreme crazy cold did. And I wonder if there's a connection. Of course, I bring it up and everybody just laughs and rolls their eyes and thinks I'm a loon. But take it for what you will. Strangely enough, those things parallel each other, scaring or shockingly uh, close, whatever you want to say. All right, we've got a great guest for today. His name is Brad Good, and he's a China expert. Uh, he's the president of an organization called the China Declaration, thechinadeclaration.com to learn more. He's got two master's degrees from the University of Chicago. He's lived and worked in China for a long time, starting in 1988. And he's 
uh, author of the best-selling book called The Control Center. Brad, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And hello, uh, Dr. Scott Bradley. Um, well, glad to visit with you. I'm going to learn a lot today, I'm sure. So I'm going to, well, I, I'm anxious you, to hear what you've got to say. I, I want to give you my weather report since you started off with yours. Love since it. I think of my, my, myself as a global citizen, uh, having lived in Beijing and Shanghai, um, the use of coal in China is greater than the rest of the world. While I was in China during COVID, I witnessed firsthand small villages burning coal, burning their trash every morning. Uh, when there is a sunny day and you can actually see through the pollution, Chinese run out of their offices and they take pictures of the blue sky. And just recently, China came out after speaking with Joe Biden when they talked about the climate, and China, being the biggest polluter by far, said China claims for UN Climate Summit to address concerns of developing nations. How absurd can we get, right? We've arrived. Well, and then every little thing we do doesn't matter much because when you look at the corporate polluters, if you will, even around the world, even in the United States, even after we push 90% of our pollution to the communist nation of China to hide it, um, we pretend somehow that that's okay, but anyway, you look at it, the, the things that I do individually, um, Bill Gates obliterates that in one massive airline flight, or, you know, Joe Biden and uh, company, you know, they're flying around the world to their Davos conventions and everything else. Look, they use in one swoop more uh, energy and, and, and more, whatever you want to say, footprint, their footprint's larger in one event than mine is for literally my whole lifetime, Brad. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that we'll get there. It's just a question of time. But my big concern is that when we talk about things um, about the balloon, immediately the strategy of the U.S. government toward China becomes sanctioning companies that produced parts of the balloons. And so what happens is you have a strategy from America that's event focused as opposed to strategic objective focused, right? You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Strategic and objective focus would highlight this idea that, look, we know that the money that we're spending in China in year-over-year -year, uh, trade deficits is being used directly to build the Communist Chinese Party military. So we're funding our eventual clash and demise by that very lack of strategic planning and or a strategic planning that would be um, traitorous to the United States. Don't know which by whom, but I will say this. Either way, the effect is the same, right? I, I think you're right. And I want to just sort of share what, what hey, we believe. Can you skip believe, the break? Okay, is, go ahead, Brad. Go ahead, sir. Across the world, people look at China unfavorably. In Australia, Pew Research showed that... Um, 86% of the people view China unfavorably. In Japan, it's 87. In America, it's 82%. And so what we did was we detailed the China Declaration. We detailed China's travesties toward its own people and to the world. And we asked people a simple question, which is, do you agree that we should be without the influence of the Chinese Communist Party? And if so, sign. 
And this is a big deal because that's the strategy, right? And because um, what's happening in the world is no policy is getting through and is being done because you have all these victim groups that are separate, Washington lobbyists. And so there's no strategy when it comes to addressing uh, the biggest geopolitical threat in the world. Um, so I wanted to bring that up because there's a lot of ad hoc policies towards China, but no cohesive strategy that then gets everyone involved. And then there's the development of strategic initiatives that really aim to achieve that objective, like sanctioning China's 2,300 national party members, Congress party members. That would have an impact. No one is doing that. It's easy. So you know, it, that's it, it's something. Uh, I, I you know I just can't help but say that uh, the Bill Clinton administration and coming forward, and certainly the Joe Biden administration, are bought and paid for. I mean, Bill Clinton sold state secrets to China based upon uh, donations to his uh, campaign. And Joe Biden, I mean, uh, everything that's happened with the uh, big guy receiving funds and the uh, uh, secured information that's been in his possession and his son's uh, perusal and everything else like that while they were cutting deals, I don't know why we should expect anything different. It seems like, you know, the, the current leadership of the nation is basically bought and paid for, and China's uh, getting their residuals on that thing. That's about where it boils down to, it seems to me. You're, you're so right, and that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing, because you, you need to get the mass population around the globe involved. Because uh, to add to what you said, Asian countries are part of the trade agreement with China. And so they don't want to do anything to rock the boat. No one wants to do anything. So it's going to be up to the people in a peaceful way of coming together so that we have a much bigger voice. And I really, let's be, I really let's believe be very this. clear, though. On one hand, we think that the strategy is ad hoc and based on events. Day-to-day, -day, they're our most favored nation partner. Day-to-day, -day, this, that. When something kind of comes up that's politically um, you know, difficult to navigate, then we uh, act like China. We've got to be careful of China. Don't, don't, don't run the TikTok app because, by golly, the Chinese might be spying on you. Hey, this balloon is of concern. Let's respond to that and shoot it down. But yet China remains our most favored nation trading partner. And the founding fathers taught this principle, Brad, and I want to highlight it and get your take on this related to China. You know, if there's a, 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 a direction that we go that's like a blip, you know, it might be an accident, it might be a mistake, or it might be whatever. But when you see a train of usurpations, or you see a steady plot towards something, it is not by accident, it is intentional. And so I look at the communist Chinese strategy that we have right now, we've rewarded them as our most favored nation trading partner. I don't personally believe we ought to have any favorite partner of any kind. We ought to be kind to everyone, trade with everyone. But you know what, this favored status, this special privilege, this and then this incredible trade deficit, we have literally, over time, um, transitioned jobs from America to China, literally disassembled our ability to make anything. Absolutely psychotic from a security point of view. Uh, but I digress, except to say that this is a methodical, planned effort. Our government, our leaders have been in bed with and cooperating with and involved with the Communist Chinese Party for quite some time. Uh, it borders on treasonous, sir. 
and, and, and you can say, well, Sam, you've gone too far, but I would say this simply. This is a planned thing. We didn't just all of a sudden fall into this and go, golly, we've had billions of trade deficits with them for decades now, and we've built their whole military from uh, security, uh, technological leaks, or transfers, if you will, to funding, to it goes all the way down the line. This cannot be an accident, Brad. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's no reason to have for them for China to have the WTO join the WTO, which they did in 2001. I think that for everyone, everyone must remember China violated WTO. They violated the Sino-British agreement regarding Hong Kong. They violated the most recent trade agreement that Trump did. So this is a this is a country and a group of of leaders that you cannot trust. You must not do agreements with them because they will not honor them, period, right? Um, and, you know, we, we need to go from there, but there needs to be a clear strategy, which I think we've set out, right? And then you need the initiatives to go and attack it, um, to execute the strategy. Any business would have that. A country needs that. And I think the attention span of leaders is so short. Um, they're constantly worried about being reelected. They have other issues to deal with. Uh, Mike Gallagher, who's brought in for the, the China committee, he's even falling into the trap of focusing on specific issues like what are we going to do with the Uyghurs? How are we going to speed up things for Taiwan? That's not the issue. It's not the Chinese Communist Party's the issue, right? He has no overarching plan, and he's a military man, right? He's fighting battles, not looking to win the war. We all should be concerned. You know, it's it's frustrating to me. I, I've often said we have the best enemies money can buy, and uh, I think China is a prime example. And we go back in Russia and all the other things that we've had. But uh, I mean, go back to uh, post World War II and uh, George uh, Marshall turned all Jap captured Japanese weapons over to Chairman Mao. He wasn't chairman then, but and uh, facilitated the destruction of the whole nation and the and its enslavement under Chinese. The idea of uh, Nixon and the opening the, the, the uh, Chinese connection, uh, the George H.W. Bush uh, involvement with China, the issues of Reagan uh, signing the most favored nation status in 1986, uh, that the uh, Clinton uh, facade that happened with his sale of everything because he wanted his reelection and the big money that China was offering to what Bill, uh, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's doing now. I mean, I just do not see, if this was a multiple guest test, you know, a, a ABCD test, we always pick the wrong answer. There's never a accidental, uh, you know, just happenstantial uh, kind of based on odds picking a good answer. We always pick the wrong answer. So I'm really interested in, in what you're recommending the United States do uh, to change this uh, facade and this uh, hemorrhaging of everything in our whole national security. I mean, man, it's we got to do something because we're doing everything wrong. Oh, okay. So, so I would. That's a really, really good question, and we're approaching it not from a government standpoint. In fact, uh, the, you know, the reason why people sign the China Declaration is because they see the listed. It's it's like the Declaration of Independence, Doctor. Right? It's so simply laid out what's important, 
you know, people have rights. And then how has China trampled on the rights of Chinese and how they trample on, you know, the, the rest of the world? And if you agree, sign. So the whole idea is you have more of a grass movement globally. And so a lot of the victim groups, like the fentanyl groups, the organ transplant abuse, and even the military people see our plan and they're like, oh my God, you have a mission objective, right? Because the governments right now have proven themselves to be completely defunct, whether it's they're corrupt or whether it's, or they're in, inept. Something needs to be done and it needs to be separate from them because they've proven themselves incapable of having a co coherent strategy. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a crazy man. This is just simple, basic things that, that, that any normal person would agree with, right? So where do we uh, go see this? How do I? How do, where do I? Do a website you, I can go, go to? You, that... Yes, you, you go. You go Great. to the China the China Declaration dot com, and I think particularly given your background about the Constitution and the history of the Constitution, um, you know how important that the Declaration of Independence is, right? And that was a pivotal document in history at that time in bringing people together. Uh, all in agreement with what was written, and also, you know, it enabled the United States to get finance from overseas countries and so forth. But um, so th that document has been written by not just by me, but by a host of different people have given input uh, and who are area experts um, in all the things that are listed. So it's a to me, it's a it's a historical document. We don't need to do yes, research is. anymore. We, now, while Dr. Look, Bradley kind of can review yeah. that for just a quick second, Brad. Uh, sure. And, <laughs> while Brad, you know, highlights, hey, folks, this is serious. TheChinaDeclaration.com is where you go to check it out. TheChinaDeclaration.com. Now, I, I have just a couple of ideas strategically that relate to it. You know, in my mind, you take sectors of, of society and reality. From an understanding point of view to educate the people, you need to highlight the Communist Manifesto and the United States Supreme Law of the Land, the Constitution. And you need to put them side by side and teach to everybody in the country the reality of which system leads to what. The Communist Manifesto leads to tyranny and abuse and slavery. Okay, it's a godless reality. Compared to the United States Supreme Law of the Land, the Constitution, which looks directly to God. The Founding Fathers looked to God saying he is the creator, governor of the universe. Uh, God is more important than government by far. We look to God, not government, for solutions. And the author of the universe, the creator of our liberty, is where we look. And so you contrast those and you say godly versus godless. Principles that lead to liberty and checks and balances on reducing the size and scope of government. Chaining bureaucrats down with the Constitution for the protection and liberty and freedom of the people versus the opposite. So first you get this educational campaign truly clearly educate people on which system leads to what all right from an economic point of view you simply say look we're not going to buy anything from any country that we can't produce ourselves if you have a mineral or you have some kind of technique or you have some kind of international patent that gives you some reason it will trade with you on occasion but we're not going to get our peaches from taiwan because we don't need to we can grow peaches right or whatever the case may be Okay, so from an economic point of view, we're going to keep our money in-house. You know what? You spend a dollar and it goes to China. You spend it once. You keep it in the United States and it spends over and over and over and over and over and over again as it goes around blessing every aspect, every corner of the economy. 
from a military point of view, uh, from a leadership point of view, uh, strategically. You know what? We prepare for we we prepare for war, but pray and plan for peace. We prepare for war, but pray and plan uh, for peace. So you know what? We're not going to transfer any of our technological advances anywhere. We're just not doing that. That's a national security crisis. Okay. I'm just getting started, but ladies and gentlemen, this is a one-man think tank bringing this to the table for you. When we get back, we're gonna we're gonna see how off the rail I really am. Or Brad Good can say anything he chooses. If I'm up in the night, tell me so, Brad. But we'll do it in seconds after Brad gets a chance to speak out. Brad Good. Then we'll have Dr. Bradley talk about it as well. TheChinaDeclaration.com. You're listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Today marks one year since Russia invaded their neighbor Ukraine that has put Europe on a war footing again. President Putin, one year ago, via a translator. Whoever tries to hinder us, and even more so to create threats to our country, to our people, should know that Russia's response will be immediate, and it will lead you to such consequences that you have never encountered in your history. President Biden announced the United States will send another $2 billion to Ukraine's war effort, The White House will announce new sanctions on Moscow very soon. Biden, G7 leaders, and Ukraine President Zelensky will meet virtually today to discuss plans moving forward. Former Naval Intelligence Officer Robert Charles on Fox News says if war starts under the Biden administration, we are not prepared. The contrast with Ukraine is extreme. We have cut back our shipbuilding capability. We have 20... I think the budget last year for Biden was $27 billion for shipbuilding, and we've given, just in the last year, $66 billion to Ukraine. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen confronted senior Russian officials during a meeting of finance ministers of the Group of 20 Nations on Friday, calling it a moral imperative to end the war in Ukraine. We continue to ramp up the sanctions as we see ways to strengthen them and to diminish evasion. A sprawling, intense winter storm continues to affect the lower 48 states with the worst effects felt in the upper Midwest, Northeast, and West Coast Thursday. Today, rare blizzard warnings are being issued for the Southern California mountains and the mountains around San Francisco, California. National Weather Service meteorologist Frank Piera. This has the potential to bring some significant snows to parts of even Southern California that don't typically see snow. This is USA News. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Online at CordellCordell.com. CordellCordell.com. 
Do you have a story to tell? Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. From narration, production, and editing to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network handles everything. If you have a print book, ebook, or even a manuscript, call Audiobook Network now and get our free audiobook guide. 800 734 1229. 800 734 1229. Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com is with us. Our guest riding shotgun on the broadcast today, Brad Good, China expert, author, and more. He's creator of thechinadeclaration.com. His book is called The Control Center, a best-selling book, I might add. We're talking about the China challenge, ladies and gentlemen. America supposedly lacks a cohesive strategy and in general i think that's true on a day-to-day basis from politician and bureaucrat uh, to politician and bureaucrat it changes with administrations and etc but it's only slight changes though there's a steady goal to embrace the communist chinese party viewpoint uh, all over the world and in america now and china continues to flex its muscle uh, using the very dollars that we've funded and built it with what a disgrace that has been over the last several decades but i said i'd put together my strategic uh, idea and I've talked about economics what I would do I've talked about education what I would do the last point on economics is I would only trade with these countries in constitutional currency gold and silver remember honesty is the issue and that's what keeps them honest is you deal in real m- money uh, uh, first of all so you got economic you've got education there's one other area that I would really uh, put my strategy together and that's military I would jealously guard our military secrets and our military advancements I wouldn't let them have any idea what we're capable of or what we know or what we have or what we do or what we, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would simply uh, treat countries like this, every one of them. I'd have a George Washington-esque humble foreign policy. Uh, that's the policy of Rand Paul and Ron Paul today, by the way. Uh, but I would have that humble policy. And here's how it would be. Look, we don't have any enemies at all anywhere because we're just kind. The more you treat your citizens fairly and honorably and uprightly, the more you uh, embrace constitutional principles of liberty. Remember those documents I compared? The liberty document, the constitution, the tyranny document, the communist Chinese party, um, you know, the communist manifesto. Uh, and I would bet the more countries obey in a way that we believe is godly, moral, right, treating citizens uh, appropriately, the more I would be, you know, willing to engage with those countries. The more they act like a North Korea or, you know, those kind of things, the more I would simply pull back and say, look, we're not going to get involved with you. We're not going to let you share in the greatest economic engine the world has ever known. Uh, We're simply going to tell you to take a copy of the Constitution. It's a free export that we offer, and you can embrace the principles. And as you do so, uh, you know what? We will um, be more kind and more appropriate. Otherwise, we're not going to create hostilities. We're not going to get in the middle of your affairs. Uh, But we are going to have a very aloof but humble uh, foreign policy. you know, the, the, the idea is, look, otherwise you get blowback. Otherwise you make strange bedfellows. Otherwise you get compromised until the cows come home. So that's how I would deal with it militarily, educationally, uh, economically, et cetera, for starters. That's a one-man think tank point of view. Brad, Brad Good with us. What is your take on my thoughts? Well, first of all, I think what you said about teachers teaching the, the, the children about 
American values and contrasting that to socialistic and communist values, I think it's very, very important. And I would say it's like anything. Both parents should be also educating their children, right, from a young age. And I think this should be a national priority. Um, I, we, I differ from you a little bit in terms of, uh, well, actually, I support what you're saying, which is you want to buy products that aren't from China. Because I do that all the time. I look at the label, and I, if it's from China, I don't buy it. Uh, however, I, I advocate American companies uh, and individuals to do business in China. Uh, they're welcome to. However, I just gave you a suggested strategic initiative of blacklisting the 2,300 uh, Congress, National Congress members. If we do that, what's going to be happening? China is going to rebel. They're going to try and get back at someone. Who are they going to get back at? <laughs> They're going to get back at the companies right, that are there. So through these strategic initiatives, China is going to be upset and they're going to be impacted. The economy is going to be impacted. And then the companies, the U.S. companies that are there are going to be impacted as well. And that's their fault. They need to be prepared for that strategic and political risk. But China's been stealing stuff, as you said. Now, on their new aircraft um, carrier, they have an electromagnetic catapult. There's no way that China developed the electromagnetic catapult on their own. Four years ago, they couldn't even manufacture a ballpoint pen, and they couldn't copy Viagra. They're stealing everything, right? That Either they're stealing is, it or we're giving it away. I'm not quite positive of how many traitorous people we have in our midst, you're, but your you're point's right. well taken. You're right. And so I, when it comes to China, I would focus on things like, and there's all justifications for this, closing all U.S. embassies in China. There's no reason why we need a $500 million embassy in Beijing. You can process visas in Manila, right? Um, and close close the Chinese consulates in the United States. You know, we can do things like remove sovereign immunity for fentanyl families that have had kids that have died. There's other things that can be done to have a big impact that are non-military, like removing China's ability to access SWIFT or payments. So there's we have the ability to do things. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Amen to that. I, I like to, yeah. You know. Dr. Bradley, your thoughts? Well, there's there's so many, as I always say, with when we're on together, Sam, I have a lot of strings I'd love to pull on, and it would take an hour on each one of them probably. I, The idea of giving stuff away is absurd, but every time we do a military operation in any uh, field, I mean, whether it's in the sandbox or over in the Middle East or whatever, they're stealing our electronic signatures. I mean, our, our well, how we paint on a radar, what our uh, tactical uh, frequencies are, uh, what our codes are, our military capability in terms of all that. Everybody, everybody picks up on that. And Brad mentions their uh, catapult. Um, I don't know where exactly they got that, but I would be shocked if it wasn't a follow-on from some of the previous administration sellouts. But I mean, that, all of these things we'd love to talk about, but I'm looking at Brad's website, thechinadeclaration.com, and just looking at some of the uh, analysis that's done, you know, they got uh, a, a pretty good, you know, string of ointed offals here, uh, the internal aggressions of China, the external aggressions, and some of the uh, things that, that are really working against everything, you know, not just, you know, some little group in, or big group in China, there are big groups in China, 
but really working against the the whole world and certainly against us. And, uh, you know, you talk about closing uh, consulates and everything. Well, China is opening up additional uh, police, uh, I don't know what you'd right. call them, headquarters in some of the big uh, metropolitan areas to, to have influence here. Uh, they're getting a really big footprint. Our governor in the state of Utah, and it's been multiple governors actually, is seeking to bring a beachhead. You know, look up beachhead in the dictionary. You know, it's basically a military landing zone from which you take your invasion further in. But the governors of Idaho and Utah talk about, oh, yeah, let's get China a beachhead in wherever they're in their state. These free trade zones and everything that they're facilitating. We are selling our souls for a mess of pottage right now. And instead of doing what Brad's suggesting, we're taking the exact opposite tack as a nation and our governors are facilitating it. I mean, Utah's governor is treasonously involved in these kinds of things, and I don't know exactly what uh, Idaho's governor's done lately, but but the fact of the matter is they're cutting them a swath of freebies that they can do whatever they want in our states. And it, So this is not just a national thing, and, it, and it's not just an international thing. States and, and local governments have involvement too i i, I saw in south yeah, dakota and this is where the education that i mentioned dr bradley comes in they're doing it but they they mean well they just think we're helping out the chinese or they they have this skewed view of reality they think we're all like buddy buddy you know hey my buddy the communist chinese over there what they don't understand is we're being undermined at every turn well the fact is i think we're hurting the Chinese people in many instances because, well, and yeah, I don't the know people, where this not fits. the government, though. And, th and that's one point we'll get to uh, later in the next hour is the difference between the individual people in China versus the government. But go ahead, sir. But I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, maybe Brad's done some research on this. Back in the 1930s, uh, laws were passed in the United States that says you can't trade with countries that uh, use slave labor to build their products. And it seems to me like people say, oh, yeah, we, we oh, they're not slaves. We're paying them $15 a month to do this or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, and we give them housing. Well, how far is this from the plantation that uh, the nation had some time ago? This is, uh, Brad, have you looked at this and how the slave labor stuff? Yeah. And how they're picking our well, pocket with slave labor? It's what they, they did pass a, a Uyghur law that had to do with Xinjiang, the Uyghur population in Xinjiang that were being sort of subjugated and used to manufacture products. And so that any product from that part is not supposed to be allowed into the United States. Um, so they're, they're, they're doing that. Um, and I don't, again, that's just one little, little issue. And you see that in the China declaration, right? It's listed there. Um, yeah. And so one of the, one of the points I want to mention is worldwide, there are all these think tanks, research organizations, universities that do research on China. Okay, their goal is research to understand China. And I'm, I'm telling you right here now, they all can close their doors and turn off the lights and go home. All their funding should stop. It should all be focused on getting a solution and execution and preferably the majority on execution of a plan to deal with the issues they've been researching for the last 20 years. It's a farce, all these institutes. Um, 
and I think they're going to be made aware. We're going to make them aware of it. We're already in some articles I've written. I'm, I'm discussing it. There's no. We know all the atrocities. We've listed them. They don't need to do more research, right? Unless you're going to go to China and really look around and be on the ground. Unless you speak Chinese. Unless you're spending a few years interacting with people and doing research, you can go home. Yeah, there's a group that does quite a bit of that. It's <coughs> Stephen Mosher over at pop.org, Population Research, uh, is the group. They do a pretty good job at getting on the ground like you, um, and they and they really bring some of the facts about um, population reduction, uh, et cetera, that, that goes on uh, in China. We're adopting those same policies, which we'll get into next hour, but they do a pretty good job on the ground um, as well. Well, let me give you a caveat to that. <laughs> um because a lot of people don't know why China's population is still not growing. Um, let's say I get married to someone in China. I have to pay up to like $20,000 when I get married. It's called a bride price. And it's not the same in every, every province, but it's high. And then I need to uh, buy a condo and buy a car. And so every family in China does not want to have kids anymore, particularly a boy. They are not having children because of this situation. It's really fascinating. Um, but just to back up a little bit, when I was in China, I was approached to write uh, papers for companies in assessing America's strategy and policies toward China during the Trump administration uh, and to use uh, uh, confidential contacts I had to provide insight. Okay, They wanted to pay me for that information. Furthermore, they offered to pay me. They wanted me to write an article criticizing an American politician that was anti-China. And, you know, while I was in China, I contacted the CIA and I said, hey, this is really bad. I want to just let you know that China's doing this. And the way they do it is you write it, right? And then they just put money in your account, right? It's very easy to do that, particularly amongst all the Chinese in America too, right? They put the money in the account in China of a relative, right? And so there could be a lot more bribery going on in America that is really hard to detect. And I know that doesn't sound that great. China is swimming in in uh, the excess dollars. That I mean, we're shipping money out. They put containerized stuff to our shores of manufactured material, and we put containerized money to send them back. I mean, it's just they're just swimming in money, and, and money is not an issue. They could pay any price. You could have probably said, well, yeah, I'll write that article, but I need triple what you're offering me. Whatever. Okay, fine. I mean, you know, it's just... Their money has become a non-issue for the for the big picture China. Now, for the people on the ground that are trying to eke out a living or whatever, as you point out, I mean, even getting married is beyond the reach of almost anybody over there anymore. Or the ability to get an apartment and vehicle and to live daily life. But but from the big picture, this is all a centralized economy, and and they've got whatever they need. If if you could buy anything in this world with money, they're doing it. And uh, and so we've just shipped our we've shipped our economy over there for crying out loud, we've but shipped it's, it's our. A, go ahead. I mean, I'm sorry. I yeah, just get it's, ram, it's, rambling. <laughs> yeah, it's so there. There are uh, uh, 
purchasing per capita is still like three times what theirs is in China. So they get all excited that their GDP might surpass the United States. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not the GDP that really counts. It's the purchasing power parity. Uh, but there's some things that even though they have money, they really can't do. If you, if you give a pencil and a piece of paper to a 10-year-old kid in America and you say, draw me a car, the kid will draw you a car, and it won't be great, but they'll try. And if, if you do the same thing in China, the kid will go, I haven't learned that yet. Right? They, they don't have the ability to create things like the electromagnetic catapult. Their innovation capability, it's completely a singular population. Everyone is the same with the same education. So I don't worry about America's ability to compete. I don't worry that they have a lot of money. I, I worry about the evilness that they do, right? That's what, I, what I'm all about. Um, I feel sorry for the Chinese because they don't have free access to news, and it's made them very, very close-minded. It's ruined, you know, 1.4 billion people. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to talk about the difference between the people and the government. The Communist Chinese Party has this godless, tyrannical agenda afoot, and everything they do nears that focus and pushes towards that end, that goal. Sadly, the Chinese people may be communist and may be closed-minded and may be in many, many, many ways ignorant. And I don't mean their intelligence. I mean lack of knowledge. Um, because they can't get news, because they don't have unique educational opportunities, because they don't freely think and make decisions for themselves for the most part. If you were to give them liberty tomorrow, they would throw it away, not because they're bad people, yeah. but because they don't know any better. OK. And so part of the problem is that, you know, I, I don't have any problem with the Chinese citizens for the most part. It's the government. It's the agenda. And let me give you an example. Uh, the there's a professor. I guess he's a Japanese professor in the United States. He's at Yale. And he suggested a radical proposal to, quote, solve the elderly crisis in Japan. Now, the reason they have an elderly crisis is because they've decreased their population so much they don't have anybody to take care of the old people. But Professor Yusuke Narita, I think I'm saying the name right, Narita, suggested that mass suicide of the elderly is the only solution. Well, after he said that, everybody kind of freaked and went, are you off your rock crazy? Then he backed up and later clarified. He says, well, I'm not really suggesting the introduction of such a policy, but rather um, I'm highlighting that it will become more broadly discussed. So he got slaughtered for his comments. Then he backed off and went, well, I'm just saying people are going to be thinking about this as an option. Um, This is the kind of mentality that's psychotic. God says, multiply and replenish the earth. That's biblical. And you know what? That's never been rescinded, ladies and gentlemen. But yet the communist Chinese say, let's murder all the girls. Now you got a, a, a bunch of men grown up that don't, can't find any wives anyway. Uh, so they're ready to just be armies for the regime now. Or you say, let's kill all the boys because, man, we don't want to come up with some kind of a bribe, whatever, for our son to get married. We can't afford a $20,000 plus whatever and a car and a whatever for all these. Man, we can't have children that they've literally made it impossible. And they've done it generationally to the point where now they've got a crisis on their hands from Japan, who embrace more of it than America, to communist China. But we're starting to be on the same trajectory, sadly by choice, because we've been wrongly educated as well. That's why education is so critical 
that, that, we, that we truly teach principles of liberty and we contrast them with the alternative or the forced opposing view, uh, Brad. This is vital. Yeah, I think it's education and I think it's family. Um, the studies that show if you have a, a, both a mother and father, you know, um, as opposed to just one, are 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 really very important. I think that in China, uh, what we just saw with Chinese uprising and protesting because of COVID was something historic. And it, and then President Xi caved in, right, and said, "Okay, we'll we'll let." the restraints go. <laughs> what's, what's, what's really interesting is my a friend I have in China sent me a picture of a of a COVID testing station that was churned into a police outpost. Uh, but anyway, the, the whole thing of people uprising, this shows that when the Chinese get angry enough, when they're pushed far enough, that they will rise up. And something that's very important to understand, part of the reason for putting pressure on the National Congress is that within the Chinese constitution, ah, Dr. Bradley, now I'm talking about the Chinese constitution, how do you feel? Uh, within the Chinese constitution, Article 63, it stipulates that the National Congress members have the right to remove the president and the vice president of China. And this is a big deal. This is what we need to do, right, is to go after these people, um, to put pressure and to also put pressure on foster the people to rise up, to put pressure, to remove Xi. And this is what we should be talking about as a strategy and initiatives, not sanctioning companies that produced parts of a balloon, okay? I cannot overemphasize this enough. I'm so tired of it. <laughs> well, let me ask you a quick question. Um, I We think of often China as a kind of like this monolithic um, a single entity kind of power with the uh, Communist Party. And uh, they have exercised some pretty strong arm tactics all the, over the years. And and uh, well, this kind of gets to the leverage point, I guess. I've, I've got some good friends. Uh, she is, is Chinese and has, uh, uh, you know, family, actually Communist Party members uh, in, in China. I mean, their their family is still tied very strongly to China. They have uh, family. Uh, I guess I'm looking at leverage points in that. Okay, let's say somebody comes to America as the Chinese person. Well, they still got people back home they care about. Uh, and uh, how much leverage do you think is is exercised from that monolithic government? Um, to kind of not only keep people in line in China, but to try and keep people in line that have have immigrated to the United States. Do you feel like there's uh, threats that are uh, made and carried out and, and that people have got to be looking over their shoulder all the time, uh, wondering if, hey, if I get a little bit too mouthy here in the United States, or, or my grandma and grandpa, or my mom and dad, or my little brother and sister going to have repercussions for that in China? Are we, are we seeing that kind of... Uh, uh, effort to be able to keep a lid on and keep the people in line, even though they've uh, escaped the clutches of China, so to speak, and they've come to America and they're free, or are they still not free because of the way the the regime handles 
you know, their ties back home. Have, have you done much research what, or read any of that? What, what, yes, I have done research and I have personal experience. Uh, 100%. Every Chinese person that comes here, they use WeChat to communicate with their family by text and via video about, you know, at least every other day. And if they say anything, they can be prohibited from returning to China and or their family can be harassed in China. And so the sense of fear is very, very, very deep amongst you know, I, everyone. It's palpable, probably. I, I think back about, uh, and it's a long story, and I'm prone to tell stories, so I won't do it completely here, but uh, after Saigon fell and the communists took over there and, and some of the people that I knew uh, that had assisted our U.S. efforts during the, that uh, whole event. Um, one of them came to the States, and, and it's a long story what was there, but he left his family behind. He had had a little brother get killed in the uh, the Tet Offensive in, in uh, Hue in 1968, which is something that was an anniversary at this point. But at any rate, um, uh, the, he, the rest of the family was put in re-education camps, and, uh, of course, everything they sent out of those camps was, was censored. And uh, the little brother that had been killed in at Hue, uh, the whole family, of course, knew he was dead. And at one point, uh, one of the sisters wrote to this friend of mine that was in the States, and she said, mentioning this brother's name, he is so fortunate. He is in such a wonderful circumstance if we could all be that fortunate, it would be a very, very happy time. You know, that was kind of the gist of her letter. And, of course, the Chinese, oh, they weren't Chinese, but they were communist censors, uh, looked at it and said, oh, this is good news. We can let this out. People will think things are going good here in uh, Saigon, whatever, uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Anyway, the fact of the matter is they let it through. But, see, for the whole family, they knew that things were so bad for those that were still there that um, that this was really bad news that the communists would have wanted not it out and not letting it out. Do you think things like that, where there's kind of these inside communications things, get through the WeChat and things like that? And if they are, do we have a pretty good view of what's happening with the people that are left back home? I I view it a little bit differently. And again, I I was just there for years and years and spent COVID there. Great cliffhanger, ladies and gentlemen. Hang tight. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to do it in seconds. Dr. Bradley will come back second hour. Set it up again for those joining for the second hour. By the way, I got incredible news coming up, too. We're being syndicated by more radio networks across the world now. How do you like that? All right, so hour one of the can, hour two coming up. Incredible talk radio, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We don't mess around. We're taking the gloves off. We're talking about things very candidly. I don't think the United States government or the communist Chinese would be very happy with our discussion, but we tell the truth because the truth shall set us free. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, freedomsrisingsun.com, and then Brad Good with us, thechinadeclaration.com. I am yours truly, Sam Bushman. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Casting live 
From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. Oh, wow. We're back um, at the top of the hour. Uh, this is Scott Bradley. I'm on with Sam Bushman, uh, your regular host at these hours in the morning. And Brad Good is with us. And we've been discussing the past hour, and I, I, I'm confident that many have been with us uh, for that whole hour and, and don't need a great deal of exchange to be able to get it. But perhaps some are vo uh, joining with us at the top of the hour. So although there has been so much, I mean, just in that little news break that I would love to talk about and uh, discuss at great, day, at great length. But uh, but Brad Good is, uh, has got a, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a movement going, uh, called the China Declaration. It's, a, uh, it's an effort to kind of push back, if you will, to uh, retake the initiative of um, where China has been removing not just uh, our economic uh, power and strength and, and uh, status and hurting our economy, but, I mean, not just in China. Uh, it's all over the world. It's happening all over. And, and uh, he's got a uh, China Declaration. He's calling it the China Declaration. You can get to it at thechinadeclaration.com and review uh, some of the documentation they've got there of the egregious violations that China's involved in. And uh, they're taking a, a kind of a pushback, which to me it's a very Americanist perspective where every American, every individual all over the world literally has a right of uh, being able to choose their own path. And I think from what I'm getting as I re review what's here, is that we as individuals uh, can not only sign the petition, but also recognize that uh, the way we do business in the world and the, the pressure we put could be effective in, in bringing about change. And the, uh, the program that the, uh, the big guys, if you will, in China are trying to do. I kind of asked uh, Brad a... Uh, uh, I don't know, a, a tough question. I, it wasn't tough. It's just a, it was bad timing on my part at the end of the last hour. And uh, so I just threw it back over to him, and boy, we were at the end of the hour. And so he got kind of squelched on that. And so I'd like to throw it back to Brad right now and just ask Brad, uh, I mean, give us your thoughts about some of the things we're discussing before the hour ended, and as we start this new hour up, we might kind of shift a little bit after you've done that, and maybe Sam's had a word or two. Sam always has a word or two about something. I know that from working with him. But Brad, what do you, what do you think? Well, we, we left off, and I think the question precisely was, how do the Chinese feel in China? And I'm, I'm in a unique position in that I, I used to help a fund invest in companies in China, so I had to go pretty much everywhere. And um, my wife is Chinese. <laughs> so uh, the Chinese in China, the, the sense of family is very, very uh, cherished. And going back home and being with family is, there's nothing more important. Uh, and it's, it's admirable. Uh, I think in America that's fallen apart to some extent. Um, uh, China it has 55 recognized minorities. Right. So there's a lot of diversity in China, but it's within a certain band. Um, but those so those people in China are happy 
they fear the government and they just be careful and they move on with their life, um, not wanting to rock any boats because life has gotten better over the last 20 years. Uh, the people with money in China want to get out. And that's why uh, it used to be that you could do this program and invest 500000 in America. And as long as you, you hire workers, you could, you know, you could get a passport with your sort of investment. There's a 17, over 17-year wait for that. All these people want to get in. And I would argue that we should let the people in who want to bring their money from China. It's hard to get your money out, but if you could bring your money from China and come to America, we should let those people in and we should change our immigration policy. There's about 35,000 people, I think, that were allowed to immigrate in any one year as opposed to those coming through the border. And it's even a strategic initiative to let in the smartest and the brightest because we can take those away from China. So that's a lot put together. Um, and I do have one China-related question for both of you gentlemen um, whenever I have a moment next. Yeah, so well, let's let do that. I think you. you're right about inviting these people to come to America. I'm not an anti-immigration guy. I'm an anti-illegal immigration guy. Yes. But if we can yes. bring people for the right reasons and do so legally and lawfully and appropriately where they don't end up on the dole and, and look for socialism handouts and everything else, but they want to bring something to the econ the greatest economy in the world and they want to embrace free market principles, I'm all yes. in to let anybody yeah. in the world do that in an organized way, right? Exactly. You know, there could but, not be... The yeah, I was going to say the question may be, though, how long will China, when they have this brain drain and this economic drain, sooner or later they're going to say, hey, we're, we're hemorrhaging. I mean, you know, look at Gavin Newsom in China. I mean, in China. Yeah, it's, that's a Freudian slip, I guess. In California, I mean, they're trying to stop companies from leaving California because people are saying, holy cow, we can't afford to do business anymore. So we're seeing this in the States. How long is China going to put up with that approach to things I, I, when they see their I, brains I, I, leaving? I would like to find out, to be perfectly honest. I think yeah. we should get the smartest and the brightest. If they have money, they can come here. They have something to add to the country. Wonderful. And you know what? It'll become known amongst the Chinese, right, that, oh, gosh, America is letting more people in. Yes, let's go. Let's go. It's good. And it sort of diminishes the whole, whole perspective of the party, right? It's psychological warfare. Well, and if we all let that be on the national, uh, international stage for discussion and reality of who we are, we promote the principle of liberty and contrast it with the, the principles of tyranny. Why are people leaving in droves coming to, to liberty? Because they start to yes. get it. They understand. And we can teach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ along the way. We can give people freedom and opportunity along the way. And yes, the communist Chinese will shut down. And yes, they'll get, as Dr. Bradley says, but when they do, it just highlights the narrative even further on the international stage. Let it happen. Um, but right. we're ready for your question, uh, sir. Okay. So my question, gentlemen, and to all the listeners is, who is the U.S. ambassador to China? What is his or her name? And the, the fact that no one has the answer to that question, his name is Nick Burns, uh, is, is, is another reason, another sort of reason to question, why are we even there? What do we even get out of these these uh, the, the CIA folks in China did not inform us not to invest in the Wuhan lab. They did not inform us to tell the airplane flying with people with COVID back to America to stop and turn around. 
So I don't see a CIA reason. I don't see a Yeah, it was confirmed reason. by the Senate in 2021. It was Biden who did it. It's a recent ambassador, and you're right. I did not know the answer. Did you, Dr. Bradley? Well, not Nick Burns, for crying out loud. I can tell you some of the others. I mean, before it was even an ambassadorship, it was George H.W., but uh, we had a former governor of ours, um, uh, John Huntsman, Jr., that, that went, and right. holy Hannah, talk about a worthless soul, an empty suit. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say those kinds of things uh, with such derogatory distaste and disdain in my voice. But uh, but you're absolutely right, Brad. I mean, these people are... Uh, they're they're taking up uh, space in, in a kind of a the State Department. There's there's no value there whatsoever. I don't right. see so, anything so, coming out of them. So Nick Nick Burns is probably there with his wife and kids. He has a driver, and if he has a driver, he has to have guards. He has to have a cook. He has to have someone clean his place, <laughs> right? For sure. Oh, well, plus they got the whole diplomatic corps that's there and the, the embassy, exactly, exactly. And the, et cetera, et cetera. This is a huge it's, undertaking. It's, it's massive. $500 million facility. But for, for what reason? I just, I mean, Sam, you said it really great, which is, you know, take all the entitlements away and then all the ones that are constitutional sort of, you can reinstitute them. I think what's happened is with the advent of the internet, changes in the world, the State Department has not evolved to take those into consideration. Um, if you want to get a visa and you're a Chinese citizen and your husband is an American citizen, there's not even a person you can talk to on the phone in China to ask for help, right? What's the purpose of the consulate, right? Except to help Americans, right? But I can't even call. so. We, we have some problems from a governmental standpoint, and, I, and part, of, part, part of the reason why I bring it up is because I think it's a good strategic initiative to just shut them all down, and then it sends a message to uh, all the Chinese people and to the Chinese government, we've had enough of you, we're leaving by. Yeah, and, and let's bring back only things that have a justifiable value to promote right. the sacred cause of liberty, to highlight the criminal behavior of tyranny. To literally focus on opening up the greatest economic engine the world has ever known based on free market principles, uh, to protect people around the world, to shame, because you can use the court of public opinion to shame the communist Chinese out of half of what they do, ladies and gentlemen. You really, really can. The court of public opinion is so critical, so vital um, that you can literally do this. Now, Nicholas Burns, no one knows who this guy is. Uh, the Senate just rubber stamped it, sadly so, in 2021. Biden put this guy in place, but I want to focus on your involvement with um, and experience with the Epic Times for a minute, because you do some Epic Times uh, TV stuff, etc. cetera. Uh, the Epic Times freedom fighters, if you will, started out in what? Communist nations, rejected communism, stood tall and has, have grown around the world as a result as championing, championing the principle, uh, the First Amendment in America uh, really is kind of the, the, the goal of the Epic Times around the world. Tell me about your experiences with them, and, and when you lived in China, how is the Epic Times perceived, et cetera? Um, Epic Times, you know, I'm very grateful for them because they gave they gave me a platform to engage a lot of their a lot of their listeners who who, as it turns out, felt similarly to what we were saying. The our approach is more of a solution based approach as opposed to a oh my God, something's going something is awful going on. Right. 
and uh, you need to ma be made aware of it. We are solution focused. And I think yeah, in my opinion, one to... precedes the other, though. They set the stage and then bring people like you in for solutions. So you first highlight the problem, document the reality and then say, all right, what do we do about it, Brad? And that's how that works from a press point of view, Brad. Right. And so in, when I was in China, that no one can access that from China unless they have a, a v, VPN. Um, so that's very unfortunate. Um, but, you know, it just dawns on me that I need to give. Uh, we should give acknowledgement to Johanna for introducing us. Um, Johanna. Amen. Oh, she's great. She is really wonderful. And I, I know she's probably not listening because she's so busy, but I want to, I want to pay my respects and gratitude to her. Um, but the, the, the Epoch times in us are going to be continuing to uh, become more deeply involved, I believe. Uh, in terms of, um, you know, raising these issues, uh, making making these issues more visible to people um, through writing and through um, through articles and stuff like that, and also on the air. I want to talk to you about the, the weather for a minute because the weather is critical, and you know, there's allegations that we can manipulate and modify the weather. I don't know if you know, back in the day, I used to interview a gentleman by the name of Nick Begich, who is a scientist who's written all kinds of books. He wrote books on the HARP system, uh, which can, um, it was a huge radio antenna type structure up in Alaska that could literally launch electronic uh, transmissions, I guess is the way you want to say it. Transmissions based on certain frequencies into the ionosphere, into the jet stream and make things happen. Uh, and um, now we say we hear that the Chinese are even further along in this weather modification stuff than we are. I bring up that balloon last hour and say that balloon was interestingly tracking along some of the most frigid temperatures we've ever seen in our lives. I wonder if that balloon was some kind of a repeater or magnifier or attenuator, um, you know, amplifier or attenuation. It depends. You can do both um, that can make things happen. Uh, in the ionosphere, and, and, and the, the balloon couldn't do it by itself, but it was con it was controlled by kind of a master control, and if it acted in concert with, etc. Uh, my views are not extreme. If you look at the scientific uh, data that we've uncovered and developed uh, along these lines, etc. Brad, do you know anything about that? And did living in China give you any indication? I mentioned that because you mentioned that they, they literally marvel at blue skies, so they don't know anything about that. We'll get into the... Uh, environmental economic reality of this in a second but uh, did you notice anything related to that um the, the related thing is that the chinese were doing a lot of work to seed clouds to foster rain in order to decrease pollution um but it ain't working I, very well I, is it no it's not it's it's the 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 pollution is horrific um uh in most places they when it comes to the climate in China, I just don't think they they care at all, um, and um, they 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 don't just because the the CO two emissions and you know they they could have an impact by lifting their their pinky right. They're focused. If you asked a Chinese person, what do you care about? A little bit more pollution and a little bit more money, or less pollution and less money. The the answer is very clear, right? Uh, so I don't think they're 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 going anywhere, and I I don't think what came into America, that balloon was, had anything to do with, with the, with trying to track the weather. Although 
I do feel I'm, a, I'm from Chicago. I'm a data guy. I'd love to have data on every ice glacier, uh, on all aspects of it, underneath the glaciers, everywhere. I'd like to capture the data to keep track of changes in weather and patterns, right? Um, because I don't know enough about the issue to know if it, it is even an issue. I bring it up because I think that the communist Chinese agenda is to weaponize every single thing they can in every aspect of everyone's life on the planet. Uh, and so that's why I believe that weapon, weaponization of weather or weather warfare is not far behind. Uh, I find that interesting. Um, but an, a coalition, for example, of more than 20 companies launched what's called the Climate Removal Alliance. CRA, just so you know what that is, okay? And the goal is to lobby the U.S. government to support the, quote, carbon dioxide removal, that's CBR, or CDR, carbon dioxide removal industry, okay? And the group argues that to limit the impact of global warming, it's necessary to develop an industry that is capable of supporting 3.8 billion tons. You heard me. 3.8 billion tons of carbon dioxide remove it from the atmosphere annually. That's up from the roughly 10,000 tons that have already been removed thus far. That's according to the CRA or this group. Now, I bring this up because while we let the communist Chinese, and when I say let, I know we don't control the communist Chinese, but we're literally, I mean, them as our most favorite nation trading partner. The world depends on China's output. So we're as guilty of it as anybody else. We let them literally toxify their environment to the point where they don't even know what blue skies are hardly, except for in photos or once in a while when you get one. It's like a blue moon for us kind of a thing or whatever. Um, but yet we're the drivers of it. We can pretend it's China, not us. We have clean energy over here, don't you know, or whatever lies. Um, but I bring this up because I look at this economic reality and say, we're the drivers of that. So on one hand, you get these 20 companies, a coalition of more than 20 companies that want to lobby the government so we can remove CO2 from the atmosphere or whatever, right? Remove what? CO2, what plants breathe, right? Or oxygen, or and they act like these things are the enemies, ignoring the real chemicals and everything else that are in China. As the weather gets manipulated or the weather... It literally affects us here, too. And I look at all this and I go, man, what are we doing? We are literally using the climate to promote the communist Chinese party principles right now. Lock everybody down. Decide everything for everybody. Peddle propaganda and dishonesty. You can't, in all fairness, have 20-plus companies trying to clean up the air and take the oxygen and CO2 out of the air by the metric tons Billions of tons is what their goal is. They claim it'll supply jobs and everything else while you let China just spew and then the weather to send it around the world. Uh, they're on crack from an honesty point of view, Brad. I, you know, I, I agree with you. They're on crack and all these projects have already started. I mean, there's one that's invested by, um, CLR, Continental Resources, where they, they build these, it's called Summit Carbon Solutions, where they build up 
uh, a capability to to take out the the CO two, and what if they get a tax credit, <laughs> then it's actually can be quite profitable. Um, uh, should they be doing it? I I I mean, I just I don't think so. But if that's the way they want to go, I mean, the, the thing is, even if they take out if the oil companies take out all the CO2 out of the environment that they've produced, people are still going to be ha- unhappy with the oil companies, right? It's, there's no winning ever. Um, and eventually what will happen is China will start getting in the game and they'll buy some of these companies. And then when they're mature and they're efficient, maybe 20 years down the line, China will use them in China. Um, but it's just not a way to run an economy. But there's no way to stop China from polluting. That's that's the trick. But it, but we don't have to contribute to it. We can have our own you know world and our you know etc. Look, they want to take 3.8 billion tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere annually. That's their goal. And I look at that and I say, even if they're not using weather as a weapon, Dr. Bradley, when you make those kind of changes to the atmosphere. You don't think that there's going to be downstream repercussions we're not realizing or aware of or or cognizant of or planning for or this is a massive experiment that's never been done in the history of the world, Dr. Bradley. Well, I'm going to call Bravo Sierra to the entire program. Um, I I believe that there's this this is absolutely a complete facade in every way, shape and form. We look at what, for example, when when governments, let's look at whether it's the Chinese government or the Russian government and their five-year plans, their disastrous results when they do everything at these central locations, this dabbling and dinking around with stuff that's, uh, that they don't have any of the connect-the-dots long-term ramifications involved. They don't have an understanding that whatever they do is going to have downstream uh, probably adverse effects based upon how anything government touches, if it's not supposed to be in it, it withers and dies. It becomes a death sentence. And basically what I believe this whole thing is about is about controlling and tyranny. Yeah, I believe that the the people that are doing these things have realized, hey, man, if we can control the environment, we control every aspect of everybody's life. I mean, they do this with health care. They do it with economies. They do. It's an effort to gain ascendancy over everything else, and and what's more comprehensive and universal than atmosphere and and environment? I mean, it, whether it's the water you drink or the air you breathe or the ground you you grow things in or the things you manufacture, everything has to do with environment. To me, it's a centralization of all power everywhere. And it's kind of like what the Utah legislature is doing right this very second, even as you and I are talking. They're trying to take control of the water for the entire state and be able to declare an emergency. And suddenly the government seizes all power and distribution of water. Well, if they can declare an emergency over a a Nazi Germany that so-called has invaded the land and destroy economies and lives and health and everything that we hold dear, they get rid of habeas corpus, they lock us down. So they declared that and, and people went along. So now they're saying, oh, we can declare an emergency over water, or we can do it over the atmosphere, or we can do it over guns. We've got a, an emergency because there's a plethora of mass shootings. They can shut anything and everything down.
by declaration of emergencies, and that's the program they're doing. It's a program of tyranny. It's a program of control. And like I say, I'm calling Bravo Sierra on the entire thing. They do not have an idea of how to go about it, but they're going to maximize the power they have over everybody. That's Roger that, but the downstream effect of tampering with the weather like that, you can't take out tons of something and expect nothing to happen. Our, our guest, Brad Good, China expert, thechinadecoration.com. We continue in seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. The Federal Reserve's preferred measurement of inflation reverse course in January, a sign that the Feds may have to be more aggressive in raising the interest rate expected in mid-March. The Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index rose 0.6% in January and 4.7% year-to-year. Shortly after today's report, the stock markets began to fall. The Dow Jones this hour is down roughly 400 points. Standard & Poor's is 1.3% in the red, and the NASDAQ has lost more than 200 points of its value. On the one-year anniversary of the war, the United States announced a new round of sanctions on Russian firms, banks, manufacturers, and people this morning striking at entities that helped Russia evade sanctions. The action goes after alleged sanction evaders in countries from the United Arab Emirates to Switzerland. Deputy Treasury Secretary under Janet Yellen, Wally Adeyemo on CBS News explains how sanctions are working. Today, Russia has lost 9,000 pieces of equipment on the battlefield. Because of our export controls and sanctions, they're unable to build new tanks, unable to build new equipment to fight the war in Ukraine, and that's limiting their ability to get access to ammunition as well. Federal officials are reporting an overheated component on a rail car carrying plastic pellets was likely the cause of the Norfolk Southern train derailment earlier this month in Ohio. A safety alarm warning of an overheated axle and or bearing went off just before the massive crash. U.S. District Judge Amy Jackson ordered former President Trump and FBI Director Christopher Wray to be questioned in a pair of lawsuits against the Justice Department and the FBI by Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. The former agent's text messages gave Trump the proof how the FBI was being politically used against his administration. The lawsuit is about alleged privacy violations stemming from the leak of those messages. This is USA News. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Online at CordellCordell.com. CordellCordell.com. Nothing fights the winter blues like a delicious and satisfying meal. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to stock up and fill your freezer with flavor. Save on perfectly portioned favorites, easy meals, and so much more with Omaha Steaks Freezer Filler Sale. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of gourmet choices. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required.
Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Brad Good with us. The China Declaration is what we're talking about. We have got to have an appropriate strategy when it comes to China, ladies and gentlemen. TheChinaDeclaration.com is his website. Check it out. Incredible solution-oriented information available for you now. Uh, so, Brad, I was asking you um, on the break just to give, kind of set it up for you to have a chance to think about everything. I look at this and I go, you know what? All things are leading to war with the communist nation of China. You know what? We are on this trajectory uh, for war. I don't want it. I'm not, I'm not advocating for it by any means. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but I do see um, eventually if China flexes its muscle and takes over Taiwan, China seems to be flexing its muscle and has um, you know, communist Chinese police stations right here in the United States. Uh, everything they're doing seems to be this global control, international control, ladies and gentlemen. And I know you wrote the book called The Control Center, so that might give everybody kind of an uh, indication of what they can look up to learn more about you. The Control Center is the name of the book. Um, but are we going to be headed for war with, with China? Is there any way to back away from that? Is there anything that, that solutions-wise that the American leadership, Congress or otherwise, uh, are doing that can back us away from this? I, I pray it isn't true, but I predict that that's where we're headed, Brad. Right. So, so. China's mindset and the mindset of the Chinese people uh, is that, okay, great, they have some great equipment and great training. But remember, a lot of the equipment, if not all of it, uh, has been stolen from Western countries. And when you steal something and you're using it, it breeds an internal sense of insecurity, right? You question your own ability. And I think that, that China would be incredibly reluctant to go into a war with America that has so much vast experience in, in military operations and they don't have any experience. But when it comes to Taiwan, um, the, the, what we need to do is pay attention to the next year um, and uh, the election in Taiwan. If there's someone who's more pro-China <laughs> elected, they may just uh, have a negotiation and, and decide to unify in a friendly unification. Um, the, the United States believes it has the capability to prevent any, any war from happening or the repercussions would be devastating to China. And I just, I'm like, that's after the fact. Um, Taipei is only 18,000 square miles as opposed to Ukraine that's 233,000 square miles. It's a small place. It's only 110 miles away from China. It would be easy to, um, uh, uh, you know, encircle the island, right, and then to ask for uh, 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 unification terms from Taiwan. And remember that people in Taiwan, they right now the economy is not so great. Combining with China wouldn't be that horrible. So that's not beyond the comprehension of what could happen, although I don't hear anyone talking about it. The reason I asked the question is I mean, because there's a headline. Yeah. There's a headline that says where Air Force General predicts war with China in 2025, tells the officers, uh, Defense Department, I guess it's um, Brigadier General Patrick Ryder is the one saying this. And I look at that and I just go, whoa, I guess he's a press secretary. Um, referring to this or whatever i look at this and i go what the heck are we really that close i pray not uh dr bradley 
You know, I um, why would China want to do this? I mean, they're picking our pocket daily, hourly, moment by moment. I mean, they're degrading. They're they're buying. They're degrading the whole United States economy, the status of the nation. The the uh, we're degrading ourselves militarily all over the world. We've sent more dollars and equipment to Ukraine than than it's probably fifty percent more than than what Russia spends an entire year on their military operations. We are just. We're attrition. We're wearing ourselves down. It's like being on a grinder. We're taking the metal off, you know. Sparks are everywhere, and we're, we are just imploding. And, and I, I look at the, the China's in the catbird seat right now. I mean, they're, how could it be better for them in terms of how we have, have set ourselves up? And, and China, why would they? Right now, I mean, there's efforts to buy huge swaths of land. In the United States, I mean, they got buckets and, and barrels and containerized things of American money that we've sent over there. They're trying to spend it in our country. You know, they hang on a little bit longer. They'll own a huge swaths of our land in the United States. I I think that it's a um, it's it's probably not as eminent as a lot of people are trying to make us feel. We got to prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. But I think one thing that that could be a friction point is I believe that uh, the Ukrainian thing is going to push Russia to make a closer alliance with China. And, um, you know, the people talk about Ezekiel 38 and 39 and the Gog and Magog thing and all this kind of stuff being set up for the last day's uh, conflagration. But I don't know where China fits or anything like that in that for sure. But the fact of the matter is I think that as we are having this surrogate war, in the Ukraine, an unconstitutional, completely unjustifiable surrogate war that, again, is, is greatly debilitating the United States military capability, uh, causing huge uh, growing deficits. Military-industrial complex is winning, and, and, and Russia's, Russia's not going to lose that war. Russia's going to say, huh, I need to push myself into China a little bit. We need to have more buddies on our side because certainly... The NATO alliances on this surrogate war with Ukraine have got uh, Ukraine a lot of buddies. I think I think Putin uh, probably this spring is going to get together with China and say, hey, guys, how can we collaborate a little bit on this? I think some of the stuff we are doing is exacerbating the problem. But if we, if, uh, if we didn't push stuff like that, I think China would be foolish to go to war. I think Brad has a good point. They've well, stolen I, hope their I hope you're right, but the general thinks so. Many experts think that we're on a collision course, and, you know, they're picking our pocket. But if we start doing what Brad's talking about, we really put together a, a comprehensive, cohesive strategy that literally says, hey, China, you're not going to do that anymore. Hey, people might start taking the gloves off, right, Brad? Hey, I, I, just before Brad does that, I just got to say, look who's saying these things. I mean, these are the military-industrial complex. This is the establishment. This is the agenda everybody that holds an office right now at the most senior ranks they're all political hacks they're in the middle of this and they say what the, their their masters tell them to say and i think that we've got to take with a grain of salt a lot of the things that are coming from the most senior offices because they've been compromised by their wokeness and everything else that has been encouraged for so long that i think the united states military is is 
being degraded at every level, including their wolfness and their senior leadership. They deselect for patriotism in the most senior levels. So, so I, I don't know. Um, China's, China's kind of got us over a barrel, and I think if we don't start doing some things like Brad's suggesting, I, I think that uh, we'll, give the, we'll give the country away. They'll, they'll buy it out from underneath us if they, if they had to. I don't know, Brad. I interrupted what he should have been your conversation, but uh, oh no, not I, at all. I, it's, it, <laughs> yeah, um, I, it's just it's just not gonna not gonna happen. All our strategic initiatives are are non-military, right? And sanctioning the, the committee members, you know, closing the embassies, maybe removing sovereign immunity for fentanyl as a justification, et cetera are all non-military. Um, and I don't think that will combine force and military response. Um, I, I think if China is kind of like a little bully that thinks they're really tough and they really don't know that they're weak, um, even, again, they, 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 they only have, what, two aircraft carriers, right? Um, and I, I think that the military sometimes says some things because they want to make sure that people are worried so they get more funding to build up. And I think that's probably the cause of that recent comment, because I don't think there's a, a real I hope you're right that it's that Taiwan. simple. But, but I look at the Ukraine and Russia situation, and we're basically back in the Ukraine. China's starting to back Russia. Uh, that doesn't look good for us, relations-wise. I used to have computer programmers work for me in Russia. Now they refuse to work for me. Uh, so, you know, we're starting to see a split in the world um, that seems to be very, very scary indeed. Where that's going to lead, I don't know, but we've been funding the, uh, you know, communists forever. And now if China decides to usurp control over Taiwan, then what happens? Are we going to say, oh, one China policy, no big deal? Are we going to say, hold on a minute? Both the United well, States so and would, Taiwan would be very concerned, right? So if, if, if you go and you ask a Chinese person, when do you think China will invade Taiwan? You know what happens? They laugh at you because they already think of Taiwan as part of China, one of the 23 provinces. And um, so they really want it. The question is, when will they do it, right? And how will they do it? And again, after this upcoming election, I think it's May of two, 2024, they're going to see who's elected, and they're going to try and do something that's that's a that's a soft landing. I don't think it's going to be a military operation, you know. Although in one of my books, I've written four books that are based in China. In the fourth one, the China the basically embargoes uh, Taiwan and then throws down hundreds and thousands of paratroopers, <laughs> takes it over in a matter of minutes, hours. Uh, I think it can be easily done, and I think. The U.S. has little in terms of um, uh, response that they can do. Remember, China went in and took over Hong Kong, right, before the 50 years was up. And they did it with, you know, zero problems, right? Taiwan would be even easier. Yeah, not a shot was fired. I mean, this is how we lost Czechoslovakia. I mean... And, and I, I just keep coming back to it. I mean, look what we're doing here. By Maybe you haven't seen the news, but by a supermajority, both Republicans and Democrats, the lawmakers in South Dakota Senate 
voted down a bill that the governor wanted that would have created a panel to review foreign land purchases. This was absolutely aimed at China. Oh, my and the, God. The, the state legislatures are saying, yeah, we want their investment. We'll sell out our state. I mean, we are idiots as a people. We, have, we are led by lessers that have no clue about the value of a sovereign nation. And, and so the House, uh, I think, probably has to vote on this. I'm not positive, but I know the Senate in South Dakota, supermajority. They said, no, we don't want anybody to look at foreign land purchases in the state. Uh, we, no, we want to, uh, no, we, we, we'd love to have the investment of China. And China is specifically the one that was doing it in South Dakota. Now, this is, uh, we have people in high places that would sell us out. And uh, and so we do need to awaken the people to a sense of their awful situation and have the people of the country begin to, uh, I, I think, say to the people that represent us, hey, no, we're, we're done with this. We're, yeah, so we're they done. tried to it's merge with like Mexico for the, the America or America, whatever it was, the European Union, the American Union or whatever. Uh, that got North American scuttled Union. Par- partially. But yet, yeah, they changed the name of it, too, by the way, is why I was hesitating. Security um, Par- Pro- Prosperity Partnership, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, and you look at that, and you go, wow, they backed away. Now, are they just going to try to then go ahead and merge with China then? If we're not going to be at war with them, are we just going to embrace them? Uh, and, uh, you know, whose principles are we going to adopt when you do that coin or that side-by-side comparison of ideologies that I started out this discussion with? You kind of go, mm, you know what, this isn't going to go well. Uh, so you guys are saying, hey, we're not going to have a war with China. Um, we're already at a uh, war with Russia, even though we pretend we're not. It's an undeclared war, of course, constitutionally speaking. Uh, but the reality is we're at war with uh, Russia right now, right? And they're trying to link up with China. I mean, so there's a lot of risk things. We used to do this analysis, and I've told you before on the radio, Sam, about how probably 40 years ago I had some insights of how this kind of tussling was going on at the international level because of some things we were involved with as a, a national defense contractor. But, but the fact of the matter is we have, uh, we've, I think Brad's approach to raising the awareness, understanding, looking for things that are, are uh, absolutely not going to, I don't think they'll result in a military operation. Uh, so, I, you know, let's, let's try this. Let's see what we can do. I mean, I'm not... Uh, I'm I'm not a belligerent militaristic kind of anything. Everybody should know that, but I just don't read the tea leaves right now. That China's in a position or a desirable uh, has a desire to take us to task. They're <laughs> we're shoveling everything to them that they want. Why would they stop? Uh, they don't have to fire a shot. They don't have to take any risk. It's not going to have any detrimental effect on their economy? Nothing. So Yeah, as long well, so, as we march so, peacefully so, towards that communist agenda, I think you're right. But if we decide we're not going to march to that uh, in time here, things could change on a dime is one of the things to remember uh, as well. Brad? Well, see, Blinken says to China, hey, don't you dare give anything, you know, sell weapons and stuff to China. Okay, This is like the epitome of just a horrible strategy, right? If they backed up and they said, hey, the strategic objective is to uh, prevent any influence of the CCP on China and outside countries, and then they, they, again, stick to the initiatives, China would be scared. China would be so concerned. Instead, what we have, once again, is a balloon policy, a Taiwan policy, a Russian policy, and none of it 
is an overarching strate strategy with strategic initiatives. And that's why this administration, and to be perfectly honest, Trump uh, had Pompeo, he had Rob O'Brien come out and talk about the evils of Maoism. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough. No one has come up with a clear, concise strategy. That's the big problem of the situation we're in right now. And if we had that, we wouldn't be worrying, worrying about the land purchases, which, by the way, China does need more food, right? They're a huge importer of food. It might be benign, but we don't trust them, and we shouldn't, and we shouldn't allow them to buy land. So, All right, two, two other questions before the end of the hour I want to get to. China, uh, years ago, uh, when kind of playing tit for tat uh, with the United States, in the New York Times, they talked about China might exercise the nuclear option. And they didn't mean that in terms of nukes. They meant that in terms of finance. Uh, you know, where are we at financially speaking if the Chinese do try to play the nuclear option and call, uh, claim, do what's due, and et cetera else? You know, what, what do you think is going to happen with that? If they don't go to straight war, but they do go to kind of a nuclear financial uh, battle. That's what we've kind of done with Russia. We've said, let's shut them down. Let's, uh, you know, try to control China or Russia uh, with the economy. You know, if we try to do that with the Chinese, you know, who's the bigger loser? I think both sides would just have a financial bloodbath, first of all. And instantly the people might to some degree go into the dark ages because uh, we wouldn't be able to produce anything. Brad. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that what you're referring to and what they were referring to are their treasuries that they hold. And it's like one, it used to be one, one trillion, and I think it maybe it's gone down a little bit. And they could, they could sell those treasuries, and that would cause a financial calamity. And what I would say to that <laughs> is that, again, I fall back to my strategy. I would be declaring sovereign immunity and allow people to sue China for the ills they've created. Okay, so, for example, I would even make it IP-related as well all the, the parents that have had a kid die of fentanyl should be able to sue China, right? The source of the ingredients and they're letting it go over. And we should claim those treasuries, right? Um, to pay for that. And if we can prove it, we should, we should uh, charge them for any sort of losses due to delaying and informing the world uh, as it comes to what happened in Wuhan. Um, I don't think China will do that because we could kick China out of the SWIFT, out of the the, the Belgium-based uh, international Yeah, the SWIFT is the international system. transfer of funds yeah. capabilities. It's called SWIFT, just so everybody understands what he's talking about. Right. We could kick them out, and that would devastate them. That's the nuclear option. We hold it, not them. We hold it for well, now, but as the petrodollar seems to melt down, we hold less and less, Dr. Bradley. Well, you know, there is an effort to change the, uh, you know, the reserve currency of the world and put it in a basket and all that kind of stuff, and there's a big movement for that. But Brad's right. I, uh, the last I heard, we, we just over a trillion of our national debt is owned by China, so it's not like they, they could call do our entire national debt. Um, but, but the idea of uh, all of this stuff, I think, is more likely to happen than a shooting war right now. All of these tussling matches, the efforts to change the reserve currency, it's its an economic, it's an intellectual uh, kind of thing, and it's a war of words and, and kind of a uh, 
uh, it's a it's a you know trying to win the hearts and minds of the people and and to uh stay uh kind of like we're the good guy and they're the bad guy kind of thing is what's happening right now so i don't see a big war happening i i would like to ask a question too i know the time is fleeing us maybe sam's question could preempt mine but I earlier in the first hour I asked you Brad about uh, the leverage points of people that come to the United States from China. You said your wife was Chinese. I presume she was born and raised there and she probably has family there still. Are you guys feeling any stress, pressure, you know, what's going to happen back home if if I get too, you know, mouthy about this thing I write for the Epoch Times or or I uh maybe this uh petition you're, you've got out there starts to grow legs. Uh, is, is somebody back home going to suffer or is your wife going to feel like they're under pressure? I mean, where does, what does this affect you on a personal level, I guess, is my question. Right. So the, the, the influence of the Chinese government is felt without the Chinese government doing anything here. My wife is very concerned. Okay, first of all, I won't be able to go back to China, which is not a big deal, but my wife, like, she wants to be able to go back and see her family. And she doesn't want her family to be harassed. And as the president of the China Declaration, she said, there's no way. She's not going to risk it. So she's divorcing me out of fear for what the Chinese Communist Party could do. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So this has right? had a huge impact. This has had a huge impact on your personal it's, life. It, and I have to think you're kind of a... Not maybe not a poster child, but you kind of get the idea that this is probably not all that uncommon. I mean, for for people to feel well, that exactly. kind of stress in their personal relationships. Yeah, I exactly. I, and so I, like it's I say, a self it's a self enforced mechanism, right? Yeah, I uh, I've got like I said, I've got friends that uh, have ties. Even even one of our good friends has family members that are members of the Communist Chinese Party. Uh, back in China, and and I just have to think it has a chilling effect, and and may even affect the way they do some of their business here. It may be, uh, hey, look, I did this for you guys back in China, so don't be too hard on my family back there, and it and it calls into question maybe even some of their loyalty on things, because you know when blood is thicker than water, <laughs> and when family's at stake, sometimes it's a hard decision, you know. And and so wow, that's amazing. Your wife is actually divorcing you to prevent any splash on her family back home. Yes, that's amazing. Correct, correct. Holy cow! And and I'm like, well, See, Sam, my attitude is what I'm doing is is too important, right? To back down. Man, have, have you got any um, children? It, no. <laughs> I was going to say, how does no. it affect the children? Uh, I mean, the children would be considered to be leverage points, also. I mean, if Correct. you had children, well, depending I mean, upon I'm, where I'm, they I'm are. just saying. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if they want to go see grandma and grandpa or something, or maybe, you know, or, or if they have, you know, aunts and uncles or whatever. I mean, this is how brutal it gets. I mean, when and, and you put it down to the personal level, uh, there's some really high prices to be paid. And and I as I look at your petition showing some of the price that has been paid by some ethnic groups and so on there and the I mean, the Tenement Square, Americans don't have any idea what happened in 1989. I mean, the the, the casualties that happened in the, this is a brutal regime in so many ways. And 
and they've got this smiley face that they put on, and and we put all sorts of Chinese material in our homes, which is getting harder and harder to avoid because honestly, um, almost everything's made there. We've shipped, I mean everything steel. Yeah, we, we've comes literally given Chinese. them the the control in the war coming, ladies and gentlemen. I know Scott yeah. and. Uh, and uh, Brad don't believe there's a war coming, but I believe there is. I, I think that we'll eventually be at war. I think we'll eventually have a World War III. How it breaks out, where it starts, the timing, I don't know. But I, I don't believe we'll have peace going forward. I wish we would, but I don't believe we will. But how does the average Chinese citizen that may not have any experience with America really view Americans, uh, Americans and America, Brad? Um, every, the average Chinese citizen... Um, in their wallet, in their purse or back pocket, they have a $100 renminbi or yuan. And the picture on that bill is of uh, Mao Zedong, who killed uh, over 50 million people. And they don't have the slightest idea how many people he killed, <laughs> right? So they're delusional, not delusional, that's the wrong word. Their knowledge is really focused on their own life and their own family. If it doesn't impact them personally, or their family, they don't care, right? I mean, they like America because they like it for the movies uh, that, by the way, are all for free, right? Because <laughs> they, they rip off and they take all the movies and all the music is for free. Um, so they have a very positive view. They do think America is arrogant. I was in a meeting and had a guy come up to me at a very evening meeting and he goes, why did I give Thad to South Korea? <laughs> and I'm like, and he kept pushing. I'm like, it wasn't me. And it, if it weren't for America, you'd be speaking Japanese. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You want to learn more about Brad Good and what he does. Check him out uh, at the Epic <coughs> Times. He's a writer. He's on Epic TV uh, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brad Good is his name. TheChinaDeclaration.com is his website. And he puts together this incredible book, The Control Center. I'm telling you right now, a stand-up guy with real solutions to solve the uh, pending troubles with China. As we negotiate that right now, it's pretty important to listen to somebody like Brad who knows what he's talking about. For Dr. Scott Bradley, Brad Good, and Sam Bushman, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.